0: I'm Brian Burston. you've been listening
2: to Pete and Peyton, two guys that definitely need surf lessons.
1: Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for take two of the Church Planner podcast, because I forgot to hit record the last time we started this episode. We were on fire. We were. We were actually talking about hardcore church planning, and what a waste of a life you would have if you're not listening to hardcore church planning. It's a podcast. It's on iTunes and Stitcher. It is our Wednesday podcast. comes out every Wednesday. It's our interview format podcast. And it is really, really good. In fact, two episodes that I can't wait for them to air, which they're actually not going to air. Probably one of them's in like four weeks it airs, and another one's, you know, I don't know a couple of weeks after that. But uh, Vince Antonucci. Awesome. Yeah awesome interview that we had with him he's a church planner in vegas and all over for that matter we've had him on church planner podcast before but he just he throws down and like peyton you were so overwhelmed by what he was talking about you're like like hold on a second like uh uh, what about this what about (laughs) like because it was all on raising money which is what every missionary wants to know and he's just lay, laying I out I was
2: Jim. actually planning on using what he was saying for the Kickstarter. Like, I have a real issue right now for the Jump School Kickstarter. So, to me, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'll tuck that away. I'm like, dude, I'm getting off this interview, and I'm using these tactics now, and I've already got questions because, you know, how long do I this? What do you do here? Boom, boom, boom. So, right. it, was, it was practical uh, stuff. And, by the way, it, it stinking works, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Really good stuff. And then uh, the other one is actually the interview we just did this morning with David Achata. Yeah. It was. That's, you know, that sounds like horchata. You made me thirsty uh, for a
2: milk, a Mexican cinnamon vanilla milk drink that I drink <laughs> with tacos. So thanks for that.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I'm Achata. just trying to do my part. That's all I'm saying. Just doing my part. Mike Niels doesn't know what horchata is. He's, uh, he's way up in Canada. They don't have it up there. Is he from Canada or is he in Canada? Like, was he I born there? He is Canadian.
2: Really? Yeah, we can got a lot of
1: Canadian listeners, actually. So we better not take them off and make jog, you know. But I can hey, actually hey. see where people are from when they download. And um, Canada, I don't know. I, I can't remember if it's our second biggest. I think UK is actually a bigger audience than Canada. I think Canada yeah, might be maybe. third for us. I think UK right. is second. Take off, eh? You know, quite frankly, it's because in the UK, they take church planning a lot more seriously than they do up there in Canada. That's all I'm saying. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> hey, church plan coming for you, uh, who's <laughs> Ed? <laughs> Wait, what was the other line from that? Um, I got a pee so bad I can taste it. <laughs> yeah. I got a bleedy nose. Man, where is that? You know what? I think I have that on my, uh, I got a bleedy nose, eh? Oh, you know what? Here, here we go. Here we go. I gotta, I gotta give you, um, I found my old. Uh, I found my old sound effects.
2: Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball.
1: <laughs> so much better when you say it though. <laughs> Mamma mia, I really get into it. You know, I just kind of shake my head and everything. Kind of, you know, it kind of gets good. Kinda you really good. do. You know, it was so
2: funny because you were telling me this week you're on the Stairmaster. You're like, ah. Oh, Dude, I just got off the Stairmaster. And I'm like, dude, so now you're like, you're doing the running man for exercise.
1: And that's all I pictured. (laughs) What I think is the best is when we did the webinar with Dave Ferguson, I actually did the running man on the Google video hangout before we got started. So like only you could see me doing the running man. It was epic. It, It was pretty good. I must say it was pretty good so hey guys hardcore church planning uh is the well church
2: planner podcast has had a baby our first baby our first child (laughs) is Hardcore (laughs) church planning and uh please stop by on itunes tell us how beautiful our baby is um tell it that it's the most beautiful podcast baby you've ever seen give it five stars we will take that instead of gold frankincense and myrrh and we are giving uh, 10
1: bucks to everyone who leaves us a review on itunes Uh, Pete, will give you $10. No, I didn't say dollars. I said bucks. You can get on my back and I'll buck up and down 10 times. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. Yeah, no,
2: I didn't hear what you said. I have to go back and listen to the podcast to actually hear it. That's the the thing I was saying earlier on take one of this is that uh, when I go back and listen to Hardcore Church Planning, Because I'm running the podcast and I'm interacting with the guests, I can't hear it as well. I've gone back and listened, and I'm like, dang, man, these guys are throwing down solid gold. It is good, good stuff. And that's not a commercial. That is literally just me listening going, wow, that was some good killer content.
1: Love it. (laughs) Yeah, baby. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) To which... um... I, I do need to throw out there, a uh, before we get into our smack talk, we need Yoda. Well, well,
2: let me just say something real quick, a bit of trivia. Most people don't know this. Um, that is a Wookiee mating call. Uh, <laughs> most people don't realize this, but when Chewbacca says that, what he's saying is, I'm lonely. People always think he's responding to Han Solo, but he's actually saying, I'm a lonely Wookiee.
1: Oh, that's so sad. Makes me too yeah, So when you hear
2: that, you should, you know, you should... Secretly wish that someone would give him a hug.
1: And uh anyway, you want to set us up for? uh Give us a little Yoda. Give us your Yoda. Okay. All right. <clears throat> here <it> goes. <clears throat> me 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 me. Mm. Let me
2: channel the Force for a second here.
0: Mm. <laughs> Welcome,
2: you are. Welcome to chart. Oh, wait, wait. Which show are we on again? <laughs> Your podcast? <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Imagine the baby that Arnold and Yoda would have. Imagine what. Oh, opposite. my gosh, dude. Now, there,
1: Why did we even some, go there?
2: There's something that, that you'd have to, it, the fiber would not be, you'd have to pay tenner for that. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> no. Quite a,
1: I don't want to know what you're saying by that.
2: <laughs> I'm just like saying that would be a hard voice disturbing. to pull but I'm very intrigued by it. All right. Um sponsor today's episode of the Church Planner Podcast is
1: Hey, just tell me, does that hurt the back is. of your throat? <laughs> How's that? It wasn't that good. Actually, it wasn't <laughs> no, that good wasn't at all. That, <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't good, but well, anyway, uh, in response to your question, today's episode is being brought to you by Mogiv. Emoji. Hey Paint, let me ask you something. Have you been wanting to get your church started with online giving? Yeah. You know, after doing 122 episodes of the Church Planner podcast, of which MoGive has been the major sponsor for most of them, I don't know why um, you haven't started using MoGive yet. <laughs>
2: well, it's probably because I'm still working on that groovy logo.
1: <laughs> for your church I mean, Once you get the
2: logo right people just
1: pour in the doors for a church plant right well that's kind of how it works yeah i mean no one goes to a church unless they have a cool logo oh my gosh absolutely not my dog yes, sorry. not was my, my dog, dog.
2: Was my dog my
1: dog sorry well let He's me lonely. ask you peyton have you been using paypal as a cheap and easy placeholder
2: uh wait i'm snapping at my dog to shut up hold on <laughs> uh wait um, this is why MoGiv review, pays us top dollar, think, baby. Right here. I, this is the reason. I think I have to say no. Is that the right answer at this point? I was snapping at my dog. Or was it yes?
1: Well, let me just leave it like this. You this is need a choose st- your own
2: adventure ad.
1: You need to s- <laughs> <laughs> You need to stop using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder. And you need to go to MoGiv.com forward slash choich. And you need to get MoGive going on for your church. That's all I'm saying. I'm throwing it out there. MoGive—that's what you want. And by the way, I will. How do you spell MoGive? M O G I V. No E. The Leave the E out. MoGivey. It's an online and text-based Mo-giv-y. giving platform built just for church Give-o. planners and big <laughs> churches and small churches and growing churches. But church. Remember, remember—that's not MoGiveo. That's not Mo give up. Have you That's seen that new commercial with uh, Kim Kardashian where she's like talking about the Internet? And I try not to. And and with your data, now you can see my new outfits. And, and then she goes and says like three more oh, things. No, and she cool. goes, and my outfits. That's what I feel like with the Mo give. It's for church planners and small churches and big churches and <laughs> church planners. That's right.
2: And uh, if you register today, I'll send you a free picture of my outfit. <laughs> so if you want to see Pete, Pete has three shirts. He has the white shirt, the orange shirt, and the blue shirt. You are going to see him in one of those three colors because people with red hair only look good in three
1: colors. People don't Most understand don't that. know that little fact. People don't understand. That's a factoid. If, if you have red hair, you have to match your shirt to your hair. Like, <laughs> you just don't get that unless, you, unless you've got red hair. Then you're like, there are certain colors that are off limits they they clash yeah. with your own hair. It's what not about fair. green? No, green's what gray green? with redheads. Green, like hunter greens. I was gonna say. Your darker greens, they're they're awesome with redheads. That's why green is actually my favorite color. color.
2: Yeah, you got that whole little like Irish thing going on, little bit of leprechaun magic, you know, happening. I have no magic. No.
1: No. Yeah. You know, I noticed uh you sent me a text you earlier do have in have magic. Week. You sent me a text earlier in the week, and you said that we've been doing too much smack talk and not enough content. We have. You were feeling guilty about it.
2: I was. I would just I was like, like to point like, out, cause-
1: it was the one episode where we were talking about business, and we went for 40 minutes on smack talk. I think that was the one. Yeah. I, I kind of felt bad for our
2: audience. Like They're just hearing us, screw This is what we do all the time. You <laughs> screw around.
1: When I'm bored, I call Pete. Right. It's like, true. You even said that money. earlier today. You go, I'll probably just call you this afternoon just to bug you, <laughs> just to waste your time. Yeah, I think is how I put it. Because when Mama I'm talking me, to, Pete that's a spicy one,
2: meatball. Hey, I heard that. All right. Yeah, we're getting somewhere. But uh, I, I often, when I first called Pete, because I knew what he did for a living, I, I every minute I was talking about I'd hear this ching, ching ching ching. Time is money, baby, for Pete Mitchell. So. Hey, well, you know, maybe we should uh, uh, officially
1: introduce Smack Talk. <laughs> Ten minutes in. I love it. All right. Here we go. Here's here's Hulk for us. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you going to do when the Church
0: Planner podcast runs wild on you?
1: So I, I don't think I have any more Smack Talk to give, actually. I do. I have a Ooh. funny story. Oh, let's hear it.
2: So I have this cool pair of sunglasses, right? And they have been uh, sitting on the uh, kind of like the center console of my car because the idea is if they sit there, I'm so anal that stuff out of place bothers me. Well, what's happened now is it, it kind of melded with my mental furniture. So I forgot that they were there. And so all this time I've been looking to take my sunglasses into the repair guy because the, you know, like one of the arms fell off. You know how like, what, you call it an arm, right? What do you call that piece of the sunglass that folds out? It goes over top of your, that holds it on your face. Yeah, I guess,
1: an arm. Yeah. I don't, I don't an arm, I
2: don't know, it. a leg, uh, a, a phalange, I don't know. So I took it into uh, the the eyeglass repair guy. Now, you have to understand, where I live, I live in a, uh, a little village community. Um, you know, they're natives, they wear fur skins, Use stone tools, implements, and non am And I live in North County, San Diego. And so we got a little kind of like community village downtown. And there's a lot of small businesses. And they've tried to keep a lot of the corporate businesses out. And, you know, there's a mix. But anyways, this eyeglass repair place, it's this little hole in the wall. It's so small. It's almost the size of a closet. And Andrea once, uh, we had, you know, she took my glasses in there. Because the other arm had fallen off, like the screw worked its way out. I don't know how that happens, but it works its way out, right? You can only open it so wide. It's not like you're rotating it and it, you know, it, I don't understand how that happens. Anyways, the screw fell out. Andrea took it in. She comes back out like, you know, a couple years ago or a year ago and says, it was free. He didn't charge me. I'm like, hey, bonus. So when it broke this time, you know where I'm going, right? I go there. And now last time I was waiting in the car with the kids and it took like five minutes, right? This time I've, I've got the kids, is out doing something and I go in there and there's all these people sitting in this teeny little narrow space, right? And there's nothing in there. It's like chairs and like a little counter, no cash register, like nothing. And then there's like this side door and that must be the guy's workshop. And it has a sign on the wall that says, you know, like watches repaired and got prices for all the things he can do for you. And this guy must be a craftsman. But, anyways, he's kind of like the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Right. Like the guy's a genius with eyewear. Like, there's a reason that people are stacked up in this place, right? He's like the miracle worker. It's like people are are, are climbing through roofs to lower their their sunglasses down on blankets to him you know it's like help me you know you're my only hope eyeglass one you know you you fought with my father in the Clone Wars it's like he's being sought out and he comes out and when he appears out of the room there's like this mystic I'm I know it's weird and it's gonna sound like I'm I'm being dramatic but I, I came home and I told my wife oh my gosh I go that was the weirdest experience and she goes I know she didn't tell me before. She just told me, like, it was free. But anyways, everybody's waiting there. The guy comes out, and everybody, like, stands up, like, like to speak with him, like, like, master, you know, and, and he comes out, and he, it, I don't know how he does it, but, like, there's no, like, order, but he's like, what do you need? And And it's like talking to, like, you know uh uh was it um i can't remember his name um quai quai chin kang or whatever it is from kung fu
1: doesn't say He's it sounds like, like you're visiting the dalai lama
2: dude he was he was like the dalai lama of stinking eyeglass repair i actually that's what i called him in my mind i was going to come on the podcast and say he was like the dalai lama because i don't want to say like the jesus but th- there was this mystical quality everybody was in awe of him and he actually this lady started to kind of like i don't know like it it was almost like i don't know if he had asperger's or autism or something but he couldn't he was it was almost like this lady was unworthy she was found unworthy of him and he just could not connect with her and she was rejected you know like she had her thing and he's like yes and she goes can you fix my sunglasses (laughs) he he takes them he's holding them and he goes if you give me permission i kid you not i'm not making this up and she goes well well yes i i've given to them and he goes but i must have your permission (laughs) what (laughs) dude i swear to you and so like he 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 takes he he takes it and like everyone else is like uh, you know and and he said something like that's not what i asked you and 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 everyone you can see like everyone's kind of like this there's like this tension in the room now like don't find me unworthy, sunglass guy, please. You know, <laughs> everyone's like, yes, sir. No, no, please. So other people, he's going down the line. He asked me what I want. And uh, and I just say to him, oh, I just need a little screw. He doesn't say a word. He takes my sunglasses. He didn't, I didn't give him permission, right? He just takes my sunglass and he takes everybody's sunglasses and he's like hooking them on like his apron. He's hooking them on the, the in his pocket. And they're all he's got all these sunglasses hanging off him and he disappears. And, um, some lady goes, excuse me, um, how how long will this take? And he, and he turns around and he looks at the door and he says, about 10 minutes. And then he disappears. And, um, uh, so anyways, he comes out like 10 minutes goes by, he comes out and he starts dispensing the glasses. But what was weird is he came and stuck my glasses next to me and I didn't know it. Like it was weird, man. Like I. I know it sounds like kind of mystical and weird, but like, you know, I'm watching because he's such an interesting character, but I guess I just thought he had walked by me, but he had like gingerly placed my sunglasses next to me, like on this ledge of something without me knowing, and then he disappears and goes back in his room, and I'm sitting there hanging out, I'm, I'm interacting with the girls, which is kind of why I kind of missed, and then I see my, oh, like I kind of jump like, oh, my glasses, and I go back to him, and I'm like, oh, I, I should pay this guy, right? Like, because although he gave it to, to my wife for free, I've, I've lived long she's, enough. She's to a chick, to you're not. Exactly. Pretty blonde girls sometimes get things for free that I don't. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, so I, I go to the little room and I'm like kind of nervous to like, you know, it's like the, where the magic happens. Like the, the inner sanctum, you know, I dare not put my foot or a piece of my body in there and defile it. It is like the Dalai Lama and so then i i end up uh i i just say excuse me and he appears and i i say oh uh how much do i owe you and he says nothing and i've already had five i'm gonna give him five bucks right and um and he he looks at me he gets this weird smile and twinkle in his eye and i i know it dude like seriously the dude had no social skills but he had this crazy charisma and he just goes you've been here before i have worked on these before <laughs> i don't know what he's talking about i'm kind of like in awe of him and i like kind of stagger out with my kids and my newly repaired so i'm thinking how did he know and then I, I i look at, you know i get in the car and i'm thinking like that was the weirdest experience and i get in the car and i open the the, the glasses up and he's put like he must have like these special he must do these dime a dozen for people but he's got like these this little uh, bolt and wing, you know a little nut and bolt in there that's microscopic that's holding it together and he recognized his own handiwork, but I was just like, man, this was this was the, the strangest um, interaction and I did, I spiritualized it. I came away going that was what people felt like when they encountered Jesus, but for their soul. Not for their glasses,
1: hey, um, let me ask you you're you're coming up to my house on Thursday. Can I give you my sunglasses cause they need the bolt as well? He'll know, he'll know he'll say these are
2: not yours.
0: <laughs> he Where's probably yours would,
2: <laughs> yeah, he'd go these twenty dollars.
1: He'll look at me and he'll go, "Why did Pete not come?" <laughs> <laughs> he probably will. You know what? You actually remind me. I have a, a quick story, and then we'll get into our topic. I See, I knew you would. As soon as I primed the pump, I knew... Well, because I was saving coming. it. I was saving it, and I forgot I was saving it. So I'm at church on Sunday. Mike Bonomo's there, and um, Mike just comes up to me, and we start talking, and he goes, You know, I'd missed so many of the Church Planner Podcasts that I just uh, I, I started listening uh, to your most recent episode, and man, I just realized... How much I missed that thing And uh, the smack talk that you and Peyton do And apparently he was Listening to it in his car And Lisa his wife Was listening to it and her comment was Pete's not Very nice to Peyton is he And I was like <laughs> What do you mean but then my, Mike's response to her Was no he's not and I'm like what are you talking about Where did this come from How did I end up being the mean guy I, I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm totally nice to you. I I don't
2: know. I don't know. I mean, it, it might be that you're not in awe of me like <laughs> the sunglass man.
1: It could be. I've maybe seen behind the curtain. Like,
2: yeah, maybe you're not supposed to ever, ever. You're just supposed to be in awe of me. I no know the is. emperor
1: has no clothes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I am naked right now as we're recording this. You know, it's funny. I just did a through the word uh, recording with Bill and uh, Chris Langham. Oh, was and, it Bill uh, Wells? Yeah, it's Bill. Oh, I didn't Chris realize it was that Bill. Dude, it was awesome. We sat around and we talked Proverbs and it was a discussion format going chapter by chapter and things that kind of jump out. It, it was new because Chris is like, there's no way I can do a chapter summary in seven minutes of every chapter in Proverbs. And uh, it was so funny, but I, I did start off by telling them I was doing it naked. It didn't have the same effect as when I say it to you.
1: I could see Bill like being a little bit uncomfortable with that. Like, I, I could see Bill like, you know, Peyton, I don't know why you had to go there. Like, I could, like, that's what I could see Bill doing, you know? Like, he wouldn't say it, but he would say it in his eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. what I see Bill doing.
2: Yes, but uh, yeah, I uh, perhaps, but um,
1: I'm speechless. <laughs> Should we actually get I was, under our topic? I was about
2: to go back to the sunglasses man. I think we need to go back to
1: our topic. We're 23 minutes in, and you're the one feeling bad about the smack time. I know. Come on, that gives us 37 minutes of church planning nuggets. Come on, let's do it. I think so. Are you ready? Only if Doc Brown's ready. Okay, here's a here's little Doc Brown for you.
2: Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic.
1: And this week's topic is not going to be part two of the best church planning books. It is. All right. All right, Pete, sit back. It's time to be educated. <laughs> I actually ready? have two books to share, but you go ahead. You know, it's it's all about Peyton and the books that Peyton what? likes to read. But go well, ahead. It's
2: really funny though. What's really funny to me is how that it's perceived that I'm you're not nice to me when I think I rip on you as much.
1: Well, that's my point. Like <laughs> <laughs> We've said this before. You and I have the right amount of respect and disrespect for each other. It's like the perfect combo.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, don't try this at
2: at home, folks. Pretty you much know? not. I'm just yeah. Yeah, you must be in awe of us like the sunglass man. The sunglass Dalai Lama. I like it. I The dig Dalai it. Lama of eyewear repair is what I would call him. So, okay, so and if you want to come down and see him, you can and I will direct you. Just let me know and you will get the full experience. You would not want to give me your sunglass. You have to get this experience. But today's topic is the best church planning books and so we're gonna continue our little stroll the library of church planning and we're gonna give you um, some more titles so the next one that I would talk about was how to knock over a 7-eleven and other ministry training by Michael Cheshire, Cheshire. and uh, this was a genius book first off it was free if you watch this book often enough Mike gives this thing out for free Mike is a genius he knows entrepreneurially speaking that your first book is pretty much just to give away and build a platform. So any of you guys looking to write books and you're doing uh, books on Amazon and giving them away free ebooks, it's a great idea anyways. So don't ever feel like, oh you know I couldn't really get published the real way. Um, Mike could easily get uh, a publishing contract with this talent. However, he also knows that if he sells enough and gives enough away he's gonna
1: eventually make enough money to pay his bills well it's not eventually uh, he makes way more money having his own publishing company than he would make if he went through a traditional publisher
2: yeah yeah absolutely and so the reason i got it was because jimbo had read it he bought it and then he's telling me hey peyton it's free i downloaded that sucker and read it and i gotta say it was good um it it really had some eye-opening things and mike is one of those guys where he's such an innovator of, um, I mean, the guy is just a born entrepreneur. And when you see that quality um, combined with church planning, uh, I mean, the Apostle Paul was an entrepreneur. When you see that combined in a creative way, that's what I got from that book. Besides the story, which we've talked a lot about um, the cleanouts, when you learn the culture of, uh, I think it was Denver at that time doing uh, his repair business. But, but there's so many things that Mike shares in that book that are just things that church planners learn uh, the hard way. And Mike shares a lot of those hard lessons. Um, he's not out to impress you in that book. He shares with you his struggles. But you do come away feeling like you threw your all into this and um, you were creative. You, you, you broke the, the mold on this and went completely outside of the box. And it I, I felt like reading that book, it was almost fun to watch. That's what
1: it felt like. Interesting. That's an interesting take on it. Fun to watch. I, I enjoyed that book. I thought that was a great book. I enjoyed it wait, because... Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. What's that? You duped a book? Pete? What? Come on. Come on. <laughs> See, I'm persecuted. I'm persecuted. <laughs> take that, Mike, Mike and Lisa Bonamo. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think... One of the things that I really got out of that book is as a bivocational uh, church planner. I mean, if, if that's what you're doing is bivocation, that is such a great book for that because they talked about all the scrappy stuff that they did to make money. Like um, one of the things that I, I, we might have shared this on one of the last podcasts, I don't remember, but uh, they would look on Craigslist for you know odd jobs that people were listing that they needed help with. And they would bid on it and get it, you know, like how do uh, they'd need a, a sprinkler system installed or something like that, and then they would go to YouTube and look up how do you install a sprinkler system because they didn't know how to do anything, or they'd go to Home Depot and they're like, yeah, the guys at Home Depot basically teach you how to do anything. So we'd go like, hey, hey how do you install a sprinkler system? And then they'd learn and then they'd go out and do it, and that's like that's a scrappy thing to do. That's what. You know, someone who's like, look, I'm not going to go get a regular job because if I get a regular job, I won't have the free time that I need, but I got to make money. So I'm just going to be scrappy. And that's what they were. They're being scrappy. And you can make a great money being scrappy, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. Most definitely.
2: And so, and, you know, they were a team of like eight families that were um, living in an apartment complex, uh, you know, uh, not in the same apartment, but in an apartment complex together, kind of doing the missional community thing. And they threw into this business together and ended up making enough to survive. So it was, you know, it was pretty cool. And they were all going to church plan together. So it, it was a neat approach. Um, there are a lot of things that that are outside the box in that, which first got my attention with with Michael, particularly early in the podcast. we were we were referencing him because I had just read that and talking to him a lot. but um, but anyways, moving on to the other books. Um now we mentioned the textbooks, Permanent revolution, um, uh, center church. Um, you know we we talked at, at the last time about those those couple books that could be really termed textbooks, but, Going back to Church Zero, um, which is my book about team leadership, I think that if you're going to have a church planting um, team, you don't need to establish leadership right away. In fact, I, I recommend you don't, that you wait till somewhere within your first year, six months out, anywhere from six to 12 months after your launch to establish your leadership. But it's always good if you have another person. So make sure you have two leaders to start. Um, don't always don't have one um, for sure but the team leadership approach I would say nail that down and there's a couple of other books uh, besides church zero that hit it from a different angle Um, permanent revolution was one it's it's very in depth into the apest model I have a slightly different take on apest I I recognize those five roles but there is a a minute uh, philosophical difference um, I call mine fist leadership, so it doesn't get confused with A-Pest. Um, But for me, fist leadership is more that there is there is leaders, and and so maybe um, APEST would say everybody is one of those five roles. It's just to figure out which one you are. I would say that the leaders are um, there are leaders that are one of those five roles, and not everybody's a leader. I'm not on this kind of kick that, you know, leaders are, um, you know, we're all leaders. I think if everybody's leaders, then nobody's leading, right? Um, and I kind of tend to think, yes, Jesus is the primary leader. But when Ephesians 4 says um, that these roles are to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, I do believe that there is leadership and that some people are leaders and other people aren't. Um, and, and so that might be a philosophical difference. But there are other books on the same topic that I would highly recommend. One is by uh, David Devinish, called Fathering Leaders, Motivating Mission. And he's a, a British author. He's with Terry Virgo, who would be um, kind of the, when people ask me, what is the closest thing theologically to you? Um, I, I, I relate, I think to Terry Virgo more than anyone because he's an evangelical, he's actually reformed. I'm kind of more like a post reform guy, but he's a reformed evangelical charismatic and I'm kind of like a post reformed evangelical charismatic, but still valuing grace very, very highly. And, um, but, but he, he's come out of Terry Virgo's church. He's written other books. Um, but that one is again approaching the same subject in very in-depth biblically. It's got a very strong biblical uh, foundation. And Terry Virgo's book, uh, "The Spirit-Filled Church," is uh, on the same topic and very well done, particularly uh, tracing the role of the prophet and apostle and how they work together and um, in church planning. So that's a very good book as well so I want to move away from those um, because my book is in that mix and I'm a little self-conscious about it but um, but anyways hey you know what We're, we're all hopefully we're all saying what the Spirit wants us to say and I'm encouraged that so many guys are kind of coming to the same points and preaching this to their audiences I believe that this is something that the Spirit is truly saying so the kingdom of God will go faster so the next book that I would recommend to you is not necessarily a church planning book, but Oh, and Pete, interrupt me, man. If, uh, cause I'm, uh, you know how I geek out on this stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I do know how you geek out on it. It's a book. Yeah. I start getting all excited about this and books to me are like, it's uh, funny to me. I'm, I'm not going to say which one it was, but you'll know which one it was. We did a podcast that I was like, this is the worst <laughs> interview we've ever done. And oh, like we're texting back and forth like we normally do. That's how you and I communicate when we're interviewing someone else. And I'm like, dude, end this. And you're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, end it now. <laughs> and you're like And I did it. You're like, that was a great podcast. I go, dude, that was painful. It was not good at all. And then it was so funny to me because your wife listened to I didn't to actually
2: it. think it was great. I remember thinking it wasn't as dire as you thought. Because if you're interested in books, it, it actually was okay.
1: It wasn't our best. Your, your wife, though, your wife goes, yeah, that one was kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah but the, you were geeking out over who we were interviewing. And I was like, dude, this is just not good. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and that's the thing for me is books to me are like Legos to Luke. Ooh. Yeah, I'm just Star Wars Legos still. Yeah. He's got that's Batman this morning. He got Batman Legos last night. Yeah. What's with the putting the Batman head on the Darth Vader body and vice versa? It's All confusing. right. That was There's me. Something. I did it. <laughs> I was going to say that's that's a stroke of genius. I don't I don't know if Luke's at that stage of his development yet. He's not because he hates it. He always puts him back. Yeah, it it did kind of touch the anal retentive side of me, the Freudian uh, organizer in me. Yeah, it it did
1: slightly trouble me. Nice. When I saw it on Facebook.
2: So, okay, so So the here's book. the next
1: book that I'm going to give since um it's not all about Peyton.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, go
1: Pete, sorry, man. Thank you. I Thank you. I
2: didn't know you wanted to
1: talk about books. Well, I'm going to share two books. I'm not going to share them both right now because I'm just going to share one talk right again. now. I don't think yeah, you'll, you want to talk again. I don't think you'll actually let me get two books in a row. Hurry so up. I'm, I'm just going to pick one, <laughs> which I've talked about a lot on the, the podcast here. And that is the cross and the switchblade church zero. No, oh. no, no. Crossing the switchblade. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Church planning book. And, uh, first time I read it years and years ago, didn't, I didn't know anything about church planning. I mean, I was in, I don't know, junior high, high school, maybe when I read it and, um, re-read it, kind of. I mean, I use audible.com a lot when I'm out there driving, which, by the way, if you want to put a little wind in our pirate sails, go to audibletrial.com forward slash CPM and and sign up. You'll get one free book. It's totally free. You can keep it forever, even if you don't keep their their monthly service. But they give you a monthly credit, which is a a monthly book, and that's how I get a lot of my books, because a lot of times they'll do like two-for-ones and stuff like that. So, um, Anyway, Crossing the Switchblade, man, last time I was listening to it uh, a few months ago, I-, I could barely make it through that thing. Like, I was getting choked up with every chapter. Because when you hear it, you're you're listening to the story of a church planner back in a time when they didn't use the term church planner. But that's no. what he was doing. They and, called them crazy people back then. And it, it was crazy, right? I mean, it, everything that dude did was crazy. Yeah. And he did it anyway, and you just see God show up over and over again to like the point where y- you're just like, okay, um, I guess I don't have to worry about anything because God's gonna show up, and all I got to do is ask him to show up. And it's kind of it actually reminds me of a, a guy we haven't interviewed for the podcast that so we need to, and you'll remember his name, but he's a friend of Don and Debbie Stoner. And he's a missionary over in China. And they uh, handle a lot of uh, kids that are um, abandoned, uh, uh, autistic, retarded, um, you know, severe medical issues. Do you know the guy I'm talking about? Do you remember his name? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: Steve. Steve Steve Schroeder. Steve Schroeder, yeah. We haven't interviewed him on the podcast. But he's spoken at Refuge Long Beach a couple of times. And his stories are just incredible. (laughs) Yes, he has spoken
2: all right. You you can tell when you meet a passionate missionary because you go, You got five minutes,
1: and 20 minutes later they're still <laughs>
2: they're only halfway through their presentation.
1: Well, he actually had the whole time one time. You weren't there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um anyway, he I mean, he he'll just he goes, I've got so many stories of like a hundred thousand dollars showing up when we need it. Yeah. Because I, I could go on for days and it, it's reached the point where like You could tell he doesn't worry about money. He doesn't worry about the fact that the communists don't like him and what they do. Except
2: they're starting to bring him people now. They'll literally, the government will turn up, the army will turn up with like kids that they're like, this kid's too hard. We can't have the system taking care of this. And boom, they'll hit him with it.
1: But that's only some of them because like not all of the communists like him but he's just he's reached the point where he's like I'm not even worried about it because yeah. he's seen God show up so much he just knows all right I'm just going to take it to prayer and he he you know many times he goes look I'm not a pastor that's not what I am you know this is what I am <laughs> yeah you know and pastor would be our term but you know I don't know so anyway that's that's the book yeah. that I'm going to say is a phenomenal church planning book you've got to reread it if you haven't the cross and the switchblade
2: Yeah, it was one of the first three books I read, and uh, it's cool, man. Absolutely cool. Well, so, okay, so moving on, um, The Apostle uh, by John Pollock, A Life of Paul. Um, This book had a profound effect on me. I read it because it was on my shelf, and I got it somewhere cheap at the Christian store for like a buck or something. And I have this weird thing about every once in a while i got to read all the books in my library. So I'm on that kick right now. For this year, so I got a reading app and boom, boom, boom. But anyways, a few years ago, I I just read it out of I got to read that, and it blew my mind. This is one of the eye-opening books for me. Um, it it narrates um, in narrative form as if you're reading a novel. Paul's life. Now he he will take some license, but not things like Paul took another bite off of you know uh, half moldy bread, looked at Barnabas deep in the eyes, and said, Hey you want to you know it's not like that it's it's the guy's a a, he's an award-winning biographer and he takes the scripture what he actually does in it is he pumps it full of cultural stuff so you're getting when the book of Acts tells you he's filling in almost like a commentary would but in narrative form he's filling in um, the stuff that you would understand about Ephesus if you knew what Acts was saying, if you knew what Corinth was about, and back then people did, you know, people were like, "Hey, have you heard of Corinth," you know, and he would talk about, uh, you know, the the footprints, um, the tiles that they had on the ground with the footprints that were someone had poured the the concrete and done footprints leading up to the brothel so sailors could find it. He'll tell you all that stuff, you know, um, and it, it's absolutely uh, fascinating. You got to read that. It's called The Apostle by Paul. The uh, next book that I would mention would be um, Ed Stetzer, and it would be um, Viral Churches. <clears throat> now, this book is about not your church plant, but it's about the churches that your church plant is going to plant out of itself. And what's dynamite about this book is that it's not, it's not a book to show you um, how to plant a church it's it's a book that shows you a paradigm for starting a movement and there's a lot of books like this you know um, Dave Ferguson wrote exponential Uh, Alan Hirsch and Dave Ferguson wrote on the verge but um, viral churches to me was a book that just kind of nailed it ed ed talks about guys who plant and their churches just keep planting more and more and um, it was just—it's it, heavily research, you know. Ed Stetzer has Lifeway research behind him, and so you—you you go to China in there, you hear about some of the T4T stuff, you hear about, um, you know, the 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 addition versus multiplication model. And right now, there's a lot of guys like multiplication is the buzzword, and there's a lot of speakers that are getting up at conferences talking about multiplication, people that are writing books and they don't know anything about multiplication. They're, they're not church planners. They're not multipliers. But, um, what, what, what Ed does is he, he doesn't try to be the expert in this book. This is what's so helpful. He and Warren bird literally go to the guys that are doing it, who are basically saying, you know, we don't quite know how, this happened, but these are some of the things that we did. And we think it might be a part of it. And so it's one of these things where you're kind of scratching your head reading it. Um, he does bring out some of the, the, the elements um, you know, that, that people had. Uh, and then he gives you some, some ways that uh, maybe you can multiply um, very practically things, you know, mindsets. It's all about the mindset you have. If you plan a church and your mindset from day one is to grow it big, then you will act differently than if your mindset from day one is I don't want to plant one church. I want to see 30 churches in the next five years. You would, you would do so many things differently. So for us in, in Refuge Long Beach, you know, we've, we've got two churches already, uh, in way on way, uh, outside of San Pedro or in San Pedro. Sorry. We've got um, Long Beach at launch and we've got Whittier that launch, and we're launching Stanton. So uh, right there, there's four churches and we've helped three other churches get planted that aren't connected with uh, uh, that uh, church, but we've helped them. So one, two, three, four, was that like seven churches in four years? Hmm. Um, so, you know, it's kind of cool. H- Hector Moore would be one of those guys that we, you know, I've kind of taken under a wing and he's listening right now. And uh, he threatened to come over this week and sort us out if we didn't turn our ringers off. So I found out cause he's a really big dude and he scares me. Doesn't he work for Apple or did or something like that? That's yeah. That's why he was upset. He was like, come on this Apple products. You, you guys, we well, you know, if videos.
1: Apple would stop making such bad product, we wouldn't have these problems oh. to begin with. You know, he's bigger than you, right? you know, When you reach a certain size, you fear no man. (laughs) I'll never know what that's like until I hit Adam. (laughs) I'll just be scrappy until that day. (laughs) No, there's always a mutual respect when you hit a certain level. That's all I'm saying. (sighs) Yeah,
2: but you know what happens is big guys bring out the scrappy side of a little
1: dude. It just happens, man. It's really unfortunate. You just gotta take them to the ground and take them fast and and use their weight against them. That's all I'm saying. i i and and, and just
2: at this point of the podcast, I have to point out, I have books, and I will not say them on the air um, that I would recommend that you don't read. There are books on church planning out there that will jack you up. If you read them and you imbibe what they're saying, um, they will mess you up. um there there was one book that I was reading. And the guy goes, basically, think about your launch team. Uh, they're not going to be there anyways in a couple of years. Just pretty much what, what his meta message was is use them for all they're worth. Write them as hard and as far as they'll go. And then just ditch them. Don't look after them. They're not going to be here anyways. And there's just certain principles that certain guys imbibe where you're like, you know, if you ran your church that way, first off, the culture you create, the DNA that you're laying down. And also the kingdom principles that you're violating um, are are so wrong. So I would say, guys, be careful what you read and what you imbibe. The reason I'm I'm pointing you towards these books is because there are some books that are just they're fantastic. They're stellar. And I am going to say one thing along those lines. Um, I know that, you know, we've seen uh, Mark Driscoll uh, be asked to step down from Mars Hill. Um, I have to say, I, I, you know, I don't know what happened there. Um, I, I hear people say they know exactly what I, I don't care. Here's the deal. His book on confessions of a reformationist rev is dynamite church planning stuff. Um, love him or hate him, um, judge him or no. Uh, I gotta say that book is, is a significant help. Uh, to any church planner that reads it, he he writes when that book came out, he wrote stuff uh, that was so helpful that no one was talking about some of the honesty that was reflected in that some of the the places where he just confesses I had to be absolutely dependent on the Holy Spirit for this, that and that. Um, it, it's just dynamite, and so I do recommend that book as one of the top probably one of the top ten books that I would suggest for a church planner to read.
1: Cool. Do I get to share another book? You do. I'll share a book, but um again, it's not a traditional church planning book. It's the Grace Outpouring. Hey, yes indeed. That um as a as a guy who grew up Baptist and we pretty much don't believe in the supernatural. Sure, there's the Holy Spirit, aka Holy Ghost, but eh, we don't really know what he does, you know. I just uh, I got to say there were there were a lot of parts in that book that I was like, I don't even know if I can believe this. It's so supernatural. I don't even know if I can believe it. Like, believe it because I've been there. But that's the thing. I haven't been. And so but I got to say it was a great, great book. And just yeah. seeing tell, the, tell me what it's about. I don't even know that I can really describe it. I mean, um, you know where it took place because you've yeah. been there, right? Where was it?
2: So it's in West Wales, a little bit outside of a, a town called Fishguard in Ceredigion, which is close to the Irish Sea. And it's, it's a place known as Brennan. And uh, it, it is a valley that is absolutely gorgeous. Um, you're out in the wilds, man. I mean, Wales is really rugged and wild. A lot of people don't realize that. The Rolling Hills, a lot like Ireland, uh, very wet most of the year. But these, these guys went there. Oh, Go, you tell the story.
1: Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't even know that I remember it enough as well okay. as you do. Because so, I'll tell you, there were the parts that really struck me. There's a, there's a, you you know, the compound. I don't even know what to call it. The 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 fold the Brennan. It's yeah. kind of a, it's a Welsh name which means the the uh,
2: sheepfold of the king, and that was actually the name of it. They didn't give it that. It was actually called
1: that. But it it was such a place that. I, for a lack of be- better way to describe it, like the presence of God was there, like like a physical place where the presence of God was because of the people that were there and just uh, the, the dedication and the prayer um, that they would do. Uh, you know, like at one point they did a, a year straight of prayer where they had people um, volunteering to pray for an hour uh, a day. And, and I think they did. I think it was 24 hours of prayer going on for a year straight. So, I mean, it it was like there was no time that someone wasn't there praying. And um, people would come and visit who, like, as soon as they would walk in, they would fall down and start crying. And what is going on, you know? And, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. And, like, it just like the very supernatural side of uh, Christianity okay was so coming uh, was coming through there i mean i don't even know how to say it other than that right it, it okay so when you move or you go i don't know if it's
2: if you go there are two things that are true when you go to the british isles um there are certain parts and i've talked about this in jump school um in our um uh, banner brothers hangout where it, it basically there are places where you can feel the spiritual darkness you can the the spiritual warfare is so thick in certain areas and you know, territorial spirits and all that, I don't know. But but here's the deal, right? Um, I I I just apart from any of that debate or story or whatever, there are places where I have ministered. Um, I planted a church or replanted a church in the dark spot in Wales. Um, years ago, they called it the dark spot because revival never hit there. And the spiritual warfare was intense. Now that wasn't that far, it was the next county over from um the where the grace outpouring happened. And uh sorry, uh sorry. Um Falter Brennan isn't and That's where I was. Uh they're Cardiganshire, So here here's the deal. Um the uh the Grace Outpouring, Roy Godwin was a businessman and he went to I think an Elam chapel, which is a little more charismatic, um Pentecostal and they just it's a long story but they they felt called to go to this place and start um a farm convert a farm into a retreat center and it's it's an amazing story but they felt like this needed to be a place of prayer and it needed to be a place where people could come and seek god and so their their ministry became prayer well the the more they did that, the more they invited, they renovated this barn. And I kid you not, I got pictures of it. It looks stinking like the Hobbit house, you know, um, round windows uh, built partially into the earth. It's so cool looking. And the chapel is this round beehive. Um, they call it the Beehive Chapel. It's all made out of stone. And there's all these candles on the ledges on the inside. Dude, it's, it's super cool. And uh, it's just an amazing place. But anyways... Um, but they dedicated it to prayer. And so what I was going to say is just like you can feel the spiritual warfare in places. I don't know what it is, but there are places where like St. David's, um, places of spiritual, uh, pilgrimage. And I know everyone's going to think I'm wiggy and I'm going all high church and, um, getting all mystical, but there are places where significant spiritual things happen and there is a, a, a presence there, you know, and this isn't totally foreign to the teaching of God where, you know, in the scripture, you have the presence of God, um, attaching itself to Jerusalem, you know, the, the Shekinah glory would come, but I, without getting weird and theological about it, all I can say is there have been places I have gone. Um, and I could, and I, it took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting it. It didn't bode well with my theology. I was kind of like, eh, you know, whatever, going to this old, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, not abbey, but um, cathedral. So Saint David's Cathedral is a Celtic cathedral, and you can feel non-believers that live near me that were as secular as all get out would go. There's something about that place. They would go there. You can sense there's something there, and I know that sounds really mystical and weird, and I'm probably losing all of our uh, audience right now, but um, but the Brennan, I gotta say, we would take retreats there, and we would pray, and we would pray and fast the whole weekend, and God would meet with us. I mean, in a powerful way. I had some of the deepest convictions of sin there. And one of the stories that they tell in Grace Outpouring is all just about prayer. And, 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 and you know, uh, the subtitle is Becoming a People of Blessing. And um, what, what, what I mean, I've sat in, in, in Roy's kitchen, uh, chatted with him and his wife, and, um, and they're just normal people. That's the cool thing about them. They're just normal. They, they know it's not them. They, they're just real down to earth. Cool. Uh, they could be grumpy on bad days. You know, it's just, it's, it's pretty neat. But, um, but anyways, uh, the, uh, the, you know, there's like a people show up, they'll just drive up the road and say, Oh, you know, we were driving through the country and we saw the, mm. the sign. And we thought, Oh man, we'll just come up here and there's nothing fancy about the sign. And, uh, and, and there was this one guy, and this this happened so many times where people would um, drive up there and spend, uh, you know, time looking around. And Roy and his wife would, would give—I think it's Sue—they would give the tour. And uh, what would happen is um, this one guy was making all these sexual innuendos, not realizing he was with two Christians that were running like a, a, a retreat center. And um, and at a certain point, he just stopped became overwhelmed with emotion started crying and saying god have mercy on me just struck by the power of god just literally struck by the power of god and um, they didn't say anything they didn't say anything and there's so many cases of people who came up there are people who came up possessed and uh, got delivered there are people who just they just people come there and they'll just come to see the the farm or whatever or they don't know why. There are people who are just like, I don't know. Something told me I should come up this road. I don't know why I came up here. You know, I turned my car this way. And they get saved. And it, it's true. It's absolutely true.
1: Yeah. I didn't know I, do you remember the story there. of the cross? The cross this that they one, built yes. on the property? Do you remember that one? Yeah. And it's still there. And I did not
2: know the story, by the way. This book had not been published when I first went there. So I knew none of this. And I went there and I was like, whoa. You know, this place is, uh, it's a special place, man. Our leaders would go out there once a year.
1: I, yeah, I just, I remember the story of the cross, how, um, like, they just felt compelled that they were to, supposed to put a cross on this one piece of uh, uh, the property. And so they sent, like, their maintenance guy or somebody to, to go to the lumber place to get some some wood for it. And something happened. I don't remember exactly the whole story behind it, but, like, he wasn't... I don't know that he was a believer or whatnot. And, like, when he gets to the lumber place, there is literally no wood for them except for two beams that were perfectly shaped for what they needed for this cross. And he was, like, yeah. freaking out. And uh, they end up putting up this cross, and it, like, overlooked the valley. And, yeah. uh, you know, there were, there were like, uh, people who practiced uh, witchcraft there and stuff like that, and they were Witch, wigging that is big
2: there yeah i know that sounds weird like when americans talk like oh they're witches you think oh you know you've been reading a little bit too much of the left behind books or something you know um, a little bit too much of the who's a dave hunt but the reality is like over there because there's pagan roots there and they're very much into their culture and their heritage and the druidic things and they're still hey shut up Um, there's still, there's still like druidic ritual stones around there, Celtic standing stones, that stuff's all there. And that just, it's kind of like the new agey thing. It starts being a new agey thing and people go out there and they do all that stuff.
1: Yeah. And the, it's something about, they realized that there was a, a power coming from the cross because it was screwing up all of their witchcraft stuff. And so yeah. they wanted to, you know, they like went to the guy and they're like, hey, you know, can, can we go to this cross? Because we want to like see if we can harness this power because that's what they were all into. And he's like, uh, no, <laughs> you know, but it's like it to me as, as a as a Baptist guy who right grew up in an environment where I'm sure sh- I don't know what my parents believed, you know, because they're obviously Bible believing Christians, but it just wasn't. It certainly wasn't something that I believed, like the supernatural stuff. I I don't know that I ever thought about it, you know, pretty much just assumed that was crazy Bible talk that happened back in the day, certainly doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's crazy when I read stuff and I'm like, okay, there are parts of this, I know this is legit and there are parts of it that just make me very uncomfortable because I don't like, it doesn't fit into my worldview, even of Christianity Right. So I don't know. It's, it's a great not book. because they're saying weird things. It's just
2: no. literally that the Holy Spirit ends up and there, there's nothing in the book that you're like,
1: oh, this, this is impossible or this is bad. There's nothing. No, like, no, nothing bad, it, but it's just, you don't like, I don't know how to process certain things, you know, like yeah. miracles yeah. that are happening. And it's like, I don't know how to process that. Uh, there was a, yeah. um, uh, there was one section in the book, a story, this uh, this couple, you know, they they just spent a weekend there or whatever, and, and they needed to be somewhere that was like an hour and a half away, and they only had a half hour to get there. And he's like, well, look, let's just pray. Let's just pray that something happens and you guys get there on time. And they're like, and we got there on time. How we did in an hour and a half trip, in a half hour, we don't understand. We don't know how it's physically possible for this to have happened. But it mm, happened. Yeah. And, you know, but there's biblical proof of that. Philip, you know, where all of a sudden, Absolutely. you know, he finds himself in another city. So, I mean, yeah. but it's that just like, the same. H- how do I, I don't know how to process that, you know, with my upbringing. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how to process this.
2: Well, that's it, man. And I, I think books like this are healthy because they do challenge us to actually act like God is real. Yeah. And that's kind of our joke. Like we interviewed David Achata this morning for hardcore and. <laughs> the whole time we're like, oh, there's that crazy talk again. You're talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but it, it's, funny, it's funny to make that joke because we do live kind of like, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name, but he wrote a book called Practical Atheists. I think a lot of church planners are guilty of being practical atheists. They they theoretically believe the Spirit could
1: do something if he wanted, but he probably won't. Right. And yeah. So, And that's certainly the side that I fall on because of, yeah. I just it's it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that
2: yeah absolutely and i think i think having those experiences and church planners i think are in a position to have them more than anyone because they really need the lord to turn up and i and i always want to remind church planners of that that sometimes those hard difficult places that you're in those squeezes and those pressures are so that you'll finally depend on god and go oh god help me because you know, in a lot of ministry that guys have been in, they've never had to depend on God. They've depended on programs and systems and, you know, bank accounts. And when you're church planning, it's a different animal. You really need the Lord and your church isn't going to grow. You need the Holy Spirit to turn up and, and you fall into his slipstream. Not, hey, Lord, come down and bless this mess. You know, help me do what I'm doing. It's literally becomes a process of you slotting in with what he's already doing. And um, Real quick, to, to throw in there at the end a 30-second plug for one of the top reads. When someone put on the New Breed Facebook, hey, what was the top books that you read this year um, on you know church planning? I threw this book out. I, I don't know. Um, it, it probably doesn't find itself uh, on the bestsellers in church planning circles, but it should. Um, it's called Finding Organic Church this book was a rare gem i i don't remember how i think frank sent it to me yeah he did we, that's what it was we put together our list of top church planning books and because i had not seen this book and i hadn't read it frank says hey let me say you know it's very subtle but he was like hey let me send you a copy of this book i read this thing and dude the top part of my head popped off i used to have this little uh, toy for for my niece i bought i'm not allowed to buy her toys anymore now andrea does he was called Gooey Louie and you would pick his nose. He had a bunch of booger snots hanging out. He's like a dude with a giant nose, big plastic dude. And, uh, you had these rubber snots you would pull out. One of them was connected to a lever pop his brain out the back of his head. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to buy presents for my niece. Nice. I scared. Her. But it was cool. It was called Gooey Louie. You can, you can still probably find it online, but, um, I was like Gooey Louie, man. My, my brain popped out of my head, um, from reading this thing. It was, um, again, the subtitle is a comprehensive guide to starting and sustaining authentic Christian communities. I have never read a book, I don't think that grasped, I mean, there are good books out there that, that grasp the New Testament, but I feel like Frank's book grasped what actually happened in the first century and how church planning really happened better. And, and what's great about Frank is he's such a Bible dude. He documents every scripture, and and he doesn't leave it to your imagination. He tells you this is what happened here, and it is just so well written. Um, I I just it was a jaw dropping book, and so on that endorsement alone, I'm gonna stop because we're out of time. But I would say that is a book where if you really want to um, plant a church biblically, you read that book.
1: I dig it, man. I dig it. So um, close this out, okay?
2: And then one more because uh, Pete won't let me do another episode on books. One yeah. last one that gets to mention is um, Tradecraft by Caleb Kreider and uh, Larry McCurry from Donaldson's Dairy. That uh, which is <laughs> Harry McCurry from. Anyways, that's funny because I have a <laughs> six year old and there's a, a series of books on that. But Tradecraft for the Church on Mission. Oh my gosh, that is a book that teaches you how to be a missionary. We've covered it in Jump School, but that is a book that I would need. I could, you know, we'll interview those guys for hardcore. We'll get them on there, so we'll save that. But again, top 10 books on church planning, Tradecraft by Caleb Kreider and a few other dudes from the Upstream Collective. Worth your money, worth your time. All right, cool. Well, hey, this has been a very boring episode for (laughs) Pete Mitchell and guys who don't read books of the Church Planner Podcast reminding you. That you can listen on audible like pete does he actually listens to books or you can reach the ones no one's reaching if you go where nobody's going and you do what nobody's doing
1: thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the church planner podcast with pete mitchell and peyton jones we'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the church planner podcast